Lord, we praise you that in the midst of our hardship, you bring meaning and purpose and your presence brings comfort. And I pray now, Lord, as we reflect on your goodness, that our hearts would respond with worship, that we would truly desire to serve you and that you would receive us in Jesus and make our sacrifice of self like a drink offering and a sweet-smelling savor of incense. Bless us now, I pray, as we open your word and open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever thought about what kind of love language you have? Now, Gary Smalley became very famous. He wrote a book probably 30 years ago called The Five Love Languages. And he's done a good job. Just like trying to narrow down temperament types, sometimes we narrow them down to four, sometimes to 16. But he's done a good job of helping us stop and think about our lives and the lives of the people around us. And it would be safe to say that of all those love languages, God is the author and God probably relishes in each one of them. For some, it is words of affirmation. For others, it is gifts. One of my main love languages is acts of service. And I just want to say thank you to all of you. I want to praise the Lord for all of you, for the online audience as well. But I want to say thank you to my church family, how much I find great encouragement when you choose to give your life away in acts of service. And when you recognize a potential act of service that might encourage one of the pastors or one of the staff here, or even myself. And uh, I know I'm thinking back uh, a year ago, I'm so happy for what's happening with our Pathfinder program. But I've got to recognize good things. And uh, for a year, we didn't have a Pathfinder leader, and so I stepped in and I did it. And there were times when my schedule is so full and on Sunday morning I'd be racing to figure out what I was going to do, you know, stay a step ahead of all those wonderful young people. And one morning Mark Bugby showed up in the parking lot to help me. It was like, I don't think I've ever told him. I mean, I've thanked him, I'm sure, but I don't think um, our principal knew how much that meant to me because he sensed what a big job I was carrying and he showed up in that act of service. It was like, wow, I've got help. This is going to work. Love languages. I want you to think about one of God's love languages. In Psalm 100 it says, Enter his courts with praise and his house with thanksgiving. This morning I want to remind you that the lips of the righteous are like a fountain of life. And just like we looked in the children's uh, dedication there of little Lisa, we're to cultivate affection. And God is the author of that affection. And I want to read you one of my favorite quotes. You don't write much in the front of your Bible, but this one's written down. And some of you have never heard it before. And some of you have heard it, but you need to hear it again. Christ has instructed us to call God our Father and to regard him as the fountain of affection. Affection. It doesn't just say love. Because love is bigger than affection. But I want you to know the first thing it says is the fountain of affection. Now we just heard in the baby dedication that we have to cultivate affection. Some of you came out of homes where there wasn't a lot of affection. 
And of course, our affection needs to be properly placed, properly timed, and appropriate to the relationship. So I'm not talking about anything that blurs the dynamics of propriety here. But I want to say to you this morning, we have to cultivate affection if we want to be like our Father in heaven and like Jesus. We're to regard him as the fountain of affection, the source of all the love that's been flowing from century to century through the channel of the human heart. There is no other source for love. All the pity, the compassion, and the love that's been manifested in the earth have had their source in God. Only God. And compared to the love that dwells in his heart, so everything in the collective human race all came from God, but compared to what's in his heart, it is as a fountain to an ocean. His love is perpetually flowing forth to make the weak strong and to give courage to the wavering. What a beautiful statement of God. And this morning, I want to encourage you. Now, if I would have had time, I probably would have come this morning and every one of you would have gotten either a postcard pre-stamped or at least some kind of blank card and I would have sent you out of here today with a challenge. Go home this afternoon and write a little word of encouragement to somebody. Send out a little bit of strength, verbal strength. Take the time to tell somebody you're thankful for them. Because the words of the righteous are like a tree of life or a fountain of life. See, the world is just constantly sucking in everything that God gives without saying thank you. But Christians are constantly recognizing where all good gifts come from. Isn't that what God said through the Bible writer James? He said, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights in whom there's no variableness or turning. Don't be in doubt. It doesn't matter whether a person makes a profession of God or not. We're all recipients of the love of God. And when somebody is kind and compassionate and thoughtful to you, that is a direct reflection of God, even if their life does not directly profess it. This morning, I want to take a few minutes and be thankful. I want to be thankful for God's provision in my life. When I was a little boy, probably about nine or 10 years old, we found a, a sandy hill. And in central Illinois, it's not a lot of sand. So we found this sandy hill. It was an amazing thing. We could dig in it with our hands. And did we ever dig in it? We dug a tunnel about 24 inches high, about 10 feet into the side of that sand. And one of us would be in the front digging in the sand. So you know how soft it is, no tools. Shoving it back between our legs and the next guy would take it and shove it back out and the next guy. My mother was horrified when she pulled up one day and saw what we had done. This little engineer had engineered a tunnel nine or 10 feet deep. The problem is sand collapses on people and kills people all the time. God spared my little life. I want to praise the Lord. When I was 21 years old at the first large corporate camporee, I was in 11 mile canyon. I was swimming. I'm trained as a water safety instructor. I was a lifeguard at summer camp. I'm a good swimmer. But I can remember when I was in that water in the 11 mile river and it caught me in an eddy and I was underneath just being recirculated and for all my life I couldn't get out. I want to thank the Lord that somehow he interpositioned himself and caused the water to pop me out and I want to thank the Lord as I came to the service I saw the best man in my wedding who had been paying attention 
And he was on his way to help get me out of trouble. I don't know how many other times, I want to thank the Lord. When I was a young pastor driving between Rochester, Indiana and Loganport, Indiana, I was in a little dark blue Nissan Sentra. I was running down uh, Route 35. I was going way too fast. It had been snowing. That car lost control and I was back this way and back that way. I want to praise the Lord that I didn't slam into somebody else in my little tin can. And more than that even, he kept me on the road and I went to preach my second service with a little bit of adrenaline coursing through my veins. I want to tell you when I was a student at Andrews University, I was driving my little purple and white AMC Gremlin. Yes, it was quite the car. Rear wheel drive car, so you know, you could go do donuts like some of you do in the Village Church parking lot. <laughs> now you got to do them in reverse because all the cars are front wheel drive. Just be careful, there's some uh, light posts out there that have columns of concrete that go down in the ground about seven or eight feet. They're not moving. And I can remember pulling into Orchard Mall and tapping on the brake, on the gas pedal, and that thing started weaseling all around. The problem is when a car starts to slide two tons of steel and rubber, they're not under your control anymore. And I was poor and I was headed towards somebody's car and I'm just calling out, Lord, save me. Save me from my foolishness. And he did. And I was a better driver after that. How many times has God intervened in my life? As a matter of fact, heaven is going to be for how many thousands of years? I don't know. Learning how all of the little tributaries of God's goodness flow into the mighty channel of blessing. But this morning, I want to praise the Lord for a grandmother. The first person, I remember my great-grandmother barely, but my grandmother prayed for me as a little boy. My mother was not walking with the Lord. My father made no profession of Jesus. But my grandmother was praying for me. I want to praise the Lord even for my, those moments when she came home from Dorcas with those big plastic garbage bags of clothes that I didn't want to wear. And I'd make trip after trip between my, the front room and the bedroom. Ronnie, go try this on. Ronnie, go try that on. My grandmother was not a confrontational person. But I want to tell you, on her knees, she was talking to God about confronting the forces of evil that had a hold of some of the people she loved in her life. And she quietly, pleasantly would do the right thing. And I want to thank the Lord. She's been gone now for about 10, 11, 12 years for all those hugs, all those crocheted gifts, Christmas gifts that I didn't really want back then, but I consider a treasure now and wish I had some of them. I want to praise the Lord that she didn't give up and she was a Christian warrior on her knees. My grandmother married my grandpa who wasn't a very pleasant person. Uh, she met him in a bar, which is hard for me to imagine. I could never imagine my grandmother in a bar, but in her younger years, she went in. He was in the Civil Conservation Corps, which was a, a depression era works program by the federal government. She gave her heart away. Young people, listen. Let God do the picking. Let your parents have some say and don't act like you're an independent person who arrived with all the blessings and position in life you have without your parents' help. My grandmother probably wished over and over again she would have run that VCR, that tape of her life backwards and been able to do it over. I'm thankful for my grandfather. He wasn't nearly as pleasant of a person to be around, but he did put a fair amount of money on my bill so I could graduate from Broadview Academy. He gave me $10 once to build a rack on the top of my car to haul a couple canoes up to the Boundary Waters. And he hired me to do a few odd jobs. You know, he wanted to be good, but he didn't have Jesus to help him. So it was a little harder time. 
I want to thank the Lord for my great Aunt Barb. Aunt Barb was the sister of Jetty, my grandmother. And she bought us all those Sam Campbell books, books that sat on the shelf for years. But one summer as a junior in academy, I pulled one off and I started reading. It's like, okay, this is what I'm doing next summer. I'm going there. And you know, she also got us those Your Story Hour records. Listen, give gifts that'll change your kids and your grandkids' lives. Back then, they were in green sleeves and they were big pieces of vinyl. And uh, I still remember Greg and the runaway tractor. Um, he thinks he's smarter than me. And uh, the long train ride, two little orphans who weren't getting adopted. But I learned that God actually works. He changes people's lives. My Aunt Barb never was married, never had her own kids. But she looked out for her nieces and her nephews. And one of the reasons that I've been part of the plan in taking your children into the out of doors is my great aunt Barb. I want to say thank you this morning on behalf of God's goodness to me for my mother and my father. My mother was, uh, is a wonderful woman and she taught me how to fix things. She made me face challenges, especially the ones I created for myself. You know, uh, I was just reminiscing about going up to see my great grandma when I was about 10 years old and my Aunt Patty was driving, we're in her little uh, dark blue, light blue, whatever, uh, Dodge Scamp, I think it was, and my, uh, my mother remembered something from that, you know, that's about 50 years ago, and she said, my aunt turned around and said, would you please shut your big mouth? And uh, that big mouth got me in trouble. I didn't know I was uh, called to be a pastor and certainly didn't, hadn't even met Jesus yet in many respects. But you know, my big mouth got me into trouble at times. Uh, neighborhood bullies who didn't like some of the things I said and my mom made me face them. Especially problems I made for myself. My mom and dad taught me respect and hard work. She said, if you get in trouble at school, you're gonna be in trouble at home. And she forced me to learn to do things like swimming and riding a bike, all things I would have gladly given up on. And then she put me in that Seventh-day Adventist church school. And then my dad, who's gone now, this is our first Thanksgiving without my mom, without my dad, I should say, and without my father-in-law. And uh, it's, it's sad. But the two of them made a new commitment to keep me in that church school. And I want to thank them because their marriage wasn't always so good. But they stuck with it. Uh, my mom did require my dad to respect her. She didn't just abandon him. She had right to do it at certain points in times. But they stuck with a marriage that was rough and made it better. And I got to grow up with both parents and I'm thankful. I don't take that parent or parental stick to it. Now, if you're not in that role this morning, take courage. Jesus will help you, single dad. Jesus will help you, single mom. But if you've got a husband or a wife, keep working at it. Someday your kids are going to be glad. You know, all my adult life I went home to my parents. And now I don't get to go home to my parents. My parents come, they either live with me or they come to my house. This is the phase of life I'm in. But I'm so thankful that I, I got to go home with my kids and still be a little bit of a kid because parents don't stop being parents. I'm thankful for my mother and father-in-law. My, my father-in-law is gone. But I'm thankful for the wonderful discipleship in my dear wife's life. I'm thankful that they helped me carry my discipleship forward and they taught me how to give generously. Their lives were devoted to the church. And they were generous with their money. They didn't make a lot. But they were generous with their talents and their time. They helped me to understand church structure. And they were a blessing and are a blessing in so many ways. And they would encourage me. And all of their prayers. And my mother-in-law, who was 
there for all of the babies being born and so many other times.